This is VLX number 97, Great is Your Faith. We are in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. God give you his peace, and omni patris afirit, spiritu sancti, amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. And omni patris afirit, spiritu sancti, amen. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly healed. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. So today is one of my favorite passages from the entire Bible. If you remember two VLXs ago, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, and then in our last VLX, Jesus explained to the disciples why he rebuked the Pharisees. But today we're going to see how Jesus deals with a non-Jewish woman, and it's really one of the clearest windows into his personality, how he will condescend in attitude but not conviction. Again, listen as we go deeper into today's gospel, how Jesus condescends in mercy, but he never condescends in doctrine or his mission. Okay, so today, Christ and the apostles, they're walking along at Tyre and Sidon. See a biblical map if you like maps as much as me. Well, Father Lapide says those from Tyre and Sidon were stirred up by the fame of the doctrine and miracles of Christ who flocked to him in crowds. Okay, so notice right there, they're coming to him, not just because he had a nice smile or something. He says they were coming to him because of his doctrine and miracles. Now, of course, the people could sense that he loved them infinitely too, But we can never extricate his miracles or his doctrine from his personality, even as we look to what was attractive about him in the first century. St. Matthew then writes in verse 22 that, quote, A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, end quote. Now, if you really know your Bible, you might remember that in Mark's gospel, we have the same event, but he calls her a Syrophoenician woman, also a Greek. Well, a modernist biblical scholar would say that either Mark or Matthew must have made a mistake. But we know the Bible is inerrant, and so Father Lapide has a good defense of why this wasn't the case. He writes, quote, The Canaanites, therefore, are the same as the Phoenicians. For this reason, the Septuagint in Joshua 5.1 has, instead of kings of Canaan, it translates it as kings of Phoenicia. Moreover, Mark calls this Canaanite woman a Greek because in some parts of the New Testament, all Gentiles are called Greek, end quote. Okay, that settles that. Now, the only takeaway here for this verse is that the woman is half Jewish, and she was therefore looked upon with suspicion by the full-blooded Jews. And then how does this woman describe her daughter? It says, kakos daimonizetai. Well, kakos is Greek for badly, and daimonizetai is demonized, literally demonized. So, She's saying she's badly demonized. She's badly possessed. Why is she crying out so loud? Well, it's the love of a mother. Listen again to Lapide. 
A loud voice is a sign of great emotion and desire. Have mercy on me, that is, upon my daughter, whom I love as myself. Her daughter is my torture. Yes, I would rather that I be tormented myself than see her tormented. Now, real quick aside, Father Lapide is not applying that to Mary at the crucifixion, but I did think as I read that, those words of Father Lapide, this perfectly describes a mother's love. It's almost as if Mary herself could also say at the flogging of Jesus, His torture is my torture. Yes, rather would I be tortured myself than see him tortured. Okay, back to the Canaanite woman. Now, we have to realize how sad it would be to have a child who is possessed. Father Lapide describes the pain this way. He says that Daimonizetai, that is possessed, is beset by a demon. For the devil twists, tears, and torments the members of such as he possesses to their own unspeakable pain and the horror of the beholders. He afflicts their souls with dreadful phantasms and specters and with griefs, fears, and anguish. For the devil has an intense hatred against God and consequently against man who is the image of God. And so he injures and torments him to the utmost of his power. The woman does not add, come and deliver her. She only represents her affliction to Christ. She leaves the rest to his prudence and his love, trusting that he will provide help to her daughter in a convenient manner. In this, she shows her marvelous resignation and her confidence in Christ. And then we have verse 23 and 24. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, so here it seems like Christ is siding with the disciples and rebuking her. It seems like they're all annoyed. Well, they are. That doesn't just seem. They actually are annoyed. And then it looks like this one band of do-gooders headed by this rabbi. It appears they just can't be bothered by this half-breed Jewish woman. Half Canaanite, half Jewish. Maybe full Canaanite, if I understood correctly. But we're going to see Jesus. He's going to flip the whole thing on its head in a minute. Now, real quick, notice also how the disciples say that she's crying out after us. That word after is in the Greek. That implies she's behind them. She's following them. But it could only mean one thing when we look at the next verse, that she races to the front of them, to the front of this group of all men walking down the road. She races at the front of them because we have this in verse 25. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. So you got to realize those two words are really in the Greek, after and before. She's behind the whole crowd of Jesus and the apostles, and then she runs to the front of them. And the first verb in Greek there is prosukenai, which means to adore on one's knees. Okay, so this is, this is extraordinary. Picture what just happened there. Jesus rebuked her. The disciples basically called her annoying, and then they're walking away. And then she runs to the front of the party, stops the whole thing, gets on her, on her knees in front of Christ, and she doesn't even argue with Christ when he basically says he only came for the Jews, or the Messiah came for the Jews first. She just says these two words, help me, while on her knees. Now imagine the look on the faces of the apostles. They just complained about her. Jesus just rebuked her, or so they think. We're about to see why the church fathers say that he had seemed to say something so mean. Quick spoiler alert, here's what the fathers are going to say. He always knew she would persevere, and he always knew he'd work a miracle, but he wanted to draw it out of her in perseverance. We're going to see some really beautiful lines from the church fathers here. So she runs to the front of this gang of guys following a rabbi, stops the whole caravan of these guys, and basically won't let Jesus pass on her knees, worshiping him, and stops this entire mission of Jesus with two words, 
help me. Father Labide says here, For God, when he is invoked, often does not answer at first in order that he was praying may continue and intensify his prayers and supplications so that he might receive with even greater thanks the favor that he's asking for. Those three words are key, even greater thanks, as we're going to see a little bit later. So we have to remember, we learn a lot about how to pray from today's thing. Remember, God's not a vending machine. we got to work for it, or at least beg and persevere to show that we really want something in prayer. That's one thing that God actually asks us to prove. But now let's go back to the, uh, the account here. As if her on her knees, being called basically not of the right tribe for the Messiah, if that weren't enough humiliation, now Jesus says something that seems even more harsh in verse 26. And he answered her, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Okay, there's no getting around the fact he just called Canaanites dogs. Now, if we saw this only from 21st century eyes only, we would, we would forget that cultural teasing can take place between two cultures. That's only deemed racism by people who have no love in their hearts in the first place. And then what does the woman say? Does she go away pouting that she didn't get what she wanted, that she called a, got called a dog? No, she humbly, she humbly plays off this cultural teasing to get what she wants. Incredibly, she replies, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now remember, she's not fully Jewish, maybe not Jewish at all. She's a Canaanite woman, also known as a Syrophoenician, also known as a Greek. Uh, but we already see a little bit of this Jewish begging, almost, almost this bargaining. We've seen this in Abraham. We see it in Moses. And I don't suggest people watch Seinfeld because it's immoral, but you almost could hear this type of uh, begging or bargaining, like, just a crumb, just a crumb from the table. So why does Jesus not want to give her just a crumb? Father Lapide says, Christ often stings, humbles, and mortifies holy souls so that they may ask more humbly and ardently and that they may obtain. Now, I kind of fear that many of these modern movies on Jesus, they kind of make his personality be this kind of smiley used car salesman or just sort of a sad puppy dog with a smile and sad eyes. Well, you know, we have to remember that um, Jesus actually could be demanding, still with an unbelievable tenderness in his heart. They get that right. But this aspect of him demanding is missing in a lot of the movies because it shows that he can sting at times, just as we sometimes get stung in prayer by something we have to repent on. Now, this is how Father Lapide interprets her response. This is him putting words in her mouth. It's altogether true what you say, O my Savior. I acknowledge that I am a worthless dog and not worthy that the children's bread, that is grace, and the miracle of the Messiah promised to the Jews should be given to me, a Gentile. But we go back to the two words that she had, help me. It's almost like she brushes aside Christ's argument on the, on the nature of the Messiah coming to the Jews alone. It's almost like she brushes it aside and she's like, hey, you know what, I'm not going to argue with you on if the Messiah is for the Jews or for everybody right now. But look, just help me, okay? Just help me. And then this next line from Lapide is astonishing because he literally uses the word conquer. He says, this woman conquered Christ. This is Father Lapide in the 1600s. Not me. <laughs> this woman conquered Christ. We're going to see why. This miracle that comes for her. She conquered Christ through her perseverance. He says, The Canaanite woman presses Christ prudently, convincingly, and modestly by his own words, and by her humble faith and reasoning conquers him. So notice, we're about to see the miracle she gets because her prayer has three things. One, humility. Two, perseverance. And three, boldness. You know, I had a friend 20 years ago, and she said in prayer, she demands things of God. She says, I demand. 
And even before I was a traditional Catholic, I knew that was wrong. That doesn't have the humility in that. But on the other hand, I fear that sometimes when we get very um, pious and we have a good fear of God, we can forget the boldness. So that's why we have to have all three of those, the humility, perseverance, and boldness when we ask something from God. Victor of Antioch goes so far as to say this Canaanite woman's attitude is, quote, this is his words in her mouth, quote, I consider it as a great benefit to be assigned to the rank of dogs. So great are the riches of the Lord's table that it will abundantly satisfy me if I'm permitted to enjoy the crumbs of your just ones, end quote. Now we get to the part where Christ is conquered by her prayer. The last verse is one of the most beautiful verses in all the Gospels, I believe. The last verse of today's section. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly healed. Okay, now imagine the look on the apostles' faces. Their jaws must have been on the ground. Here they thought they were all on one team, that they were going to get rid of this annoying woman. She should be sent away. Now Jesus not only works a miracle from a distance for her non-Jewish daughter who's possessed and instantaneously frees her from these demons, but he tells her one of the greatest compliments, possibly the greatest compliment we've seen in Matthew's gospel up to here, great is your faith. Imagine Jesus looking at you as you're kneeling on the ground and he smiles at you with great love and says almost with surprise in his voice at how you would not back down. Great is your faith. Just imagine Jesus looking at you and saying that. What better could you hope for in life than the Son of God looking at you and saying, Great is your faith. So the apostles must have been in really great shock because here Jesus seemed to tell her to get lost, but it was all to provoke perseverance in prayer, to prove to these apostles what perseverance in prayer is really all about. I mean, think about it. Jesus has never complimented any of his own disciples like this up to this point, at least in the Gospels. By what he said to that woman, great is your faith. And she knows at that moment her daughter's freed from those demons. Why? Because she only would have humiliated herself if she knew with 100% surety that humiliation was worth it. That is, she knew Jesus could do it. And he did free her from that demon. Okay, so how do we pray? Kind of a long section from Father Lapidate, but it's worth listening to these long sections. He says, The woman of Canaan teaches us to pray one with great humility, in that she acknowledges herself to be a dog. Two, with faith, because she calls Christ the Son of David, that is, the Messiah, the God and Savior promised to the Jews. Number three, this is again the list of how we should pray, with modesty, because she sets before Christ the right of dogs and her own misery, yet she does not draw from thence the conclusion that Christ should heal her daughter, but leaves that to him. Number four, with prudence, in that she takes hold of Christ by his own words, and gently turns his reasoning against himself into an argument for obtaining her desire. Number five, with reverence, with religion and devotion, because she made her supplication on her knees. Number six, with resignation, in that she did not say, Heal my daughter, but help me in the manner which shall seem to thee best. Number seven, she prays with confidence, because although a Gentile, she had a firm hope that she would be heard by Christ. Number eight, she prays with ardor with which she cried out to Christ. Number nine, she prays with charity in that she made intercession for her daughter as if she were anxious for herself, saying, help me. And number 10, she prays with constancy and perseverance in that she persisted when she was repulsed by Christ a second time and became yet more earnest in prayer. 
And then listen to these beautiful words from St. Peter Chrysologus. He says, She who confessed that she was a dog was deservedly changed into a human being. Deservedly is she adopted as a daughter and raised to the honor of the table, who in her praiseworthy humility cast herself beneath the table. And then Father Lapide goes into the personality of Jesus, something he rarely does. He says, Christ could no longer pretend or restrain himself, but conquered by the reasoning and prayers of the Canaanite woman, he cried out as though in admiration, A woman great is thy faith. As St. John Chrysostom says, He had repulsed her so that the sequence of events might lead to this declaration that he might adorn the woman with a shining crown. And then Father Lapide adds, Great, that is, Rare and extraordinary is thy faith, both in itself, for though a Gentile, thou believest in me to be Messiah and Savior of the world. Just a couple more quotes from uh, Father Lapide here. He says, See here the efficacy of fervent prayer as Jacob wrestled with the angel and overcame him. Therefore he was called Israel, that is, strong against God, that we're supposed to conquer Christ, that we're supposed to um, even overcome him. Of course, with reverence, with modesty, with respect, but there is a wrestling with God that can be done with modesty and respect, the efficacy of fervent prayer. You know, personally, I learned a lot from studying today's stuff because a lot of times I'll pray for something. If it doesn't happen immediately, I just think, God doesn't like me or I'm, not, I'm never going to fast enough to get this prayer through. Well, maybe I never am going to fast as hard as I should as a priest, but I'll tell you this, the perseverance I learned from this woman shows that Jesus does want to give us what we're asking for. But sometimes we have to beg. Sometimes we have to stick with it. Sometimes we have to, as Father Lapide says, overcome Christ, conquer Christ. Again, he didn't mean that disrespectfully, but with reverence, with modesty, with abandonment to divine providence, this woman conquered Christ. And then he says this. This is probably my favorite paragraph from from today, from Lapide. He says, Tropologically, The daughter vexed by a demon, says Rabanus, is a soul that is tempted by the devil and polluted by sin, which ought to distrust its own strength, but rather trust in Christ. It ought to invoke him with humility and compunction, acknowledging itself a dog, that is a vile sinner, yet not so as to despair of pardon, but let it rather hope all the more in Christ's mercy, the greater is its misery. So see, she persevered not because she thought she was so good, She persevered because she knew Christ was so good. Allegorically, this Gentile daughter is the church of the Gentiles, which once excluded from salvation by God's justice, justice, now has burst through an opening of mercy and broken down the doors of the kingdom of heaven. But the Gentiles, which were dogs, have been made children and eat at Christ's table the bread of the Eucharist and the hidden meaning of sacred scripture, as it were the marrow and fatness of the weak. So says St. Jerome. And then finally, he links this to confession, the power and the joy and the peace that comes by going to confession. Father Lapide says, The sinful soul, when delivered from sin by Christ's absolution, rests upon the bed of a tranquil, serene, and joyful conscience. Please say an Our Father for me. Et benedictio Deum omnipotentis, Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos, et maniat semper. Amen.